How much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. Well, well, well. It's been a long time. It is the second day of June, Pride Month, and... Uh, Black History, Black Music Month, and a lot of good stuff that's happening. We have commemorated the unfortunate Tulsa 100th anniversary of terrorist attacks in the United States on the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And things are doing a soft opening, so... Dr. Hayes, come on and greet us today. Well, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And things continue to roll on and hopefully move forward. All right. Yes, it has. We have commenced with the official opening of summer uh, with our Memorial Day holiday. That was just a couple of days ago. And so... Uh, I know, like you, we are at bated breath to see how this soft opening, if you will, and the relieving of mask mandates and folks getting stir crazy who have ventured out to um, go into this summer of 2021, June 2021. What do you think is going to happen, Dr. Hayes? What, what? What prophetic proclivities and proclamations can you share this half of the year of 2021? Lord, have mercy on us. Come on, Doc. Well, I, I would I would use that famous quote, the struggle is real. But at least we have been released to some degree to see each other face to face and to renew our relationships and hopefully garner some sense of civility. Um, some of us <clears throat> have learned to be kind of rough on the edges and now we're going to have to speak up a little bit and put a smile on our faces and at least act like all is well, although we know it is not. I still see this revelation as a positive thing, even though it unearths and awakens some very tragic uh, ordeals in our history. It also reveals some very large decisions in our relationships with one another, in race relations, and all of those fronts that we have to deal with today, the revelation is, is good because when we're able to face the truth, 
then we're equipped uh, to develop some new ways of being. So I look forward to that. I appreciate you uh, raising this issue, especially in terms of truth, because truth as as the one who we kind of love to talk about, uh, and that is the historical Jesus who um, at that moment where this woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery, which is funny to me because who was the, who were the peeping Toms watching her in the very act of adultery. That's what the, that's what <laughs> the text says. But, but you know, when he, when he released her uh, and said to the Pharisees and those who were the peeping Toms that you without sin cast the first stone. But later on, uh, this historical figure in history, whom I love to talk about, Jesus says these things, the truth will set you free. And so this whole idea of truth, especially, and this is what's unnerving to me, Dr. Hayes, is that we have witnessed half truths. And in journalism, we're, we're told about never report half truths, always report the truth as it has been revealed to you because half truth sets up this whole idea of propaganda uh, it sets up this distrust in journalists, and my goodness, now we see this. I learned this in high school, in my high school journalism class, and, and later on it was supported as I took mass communication studies in, as an undergrad, and, and we saw just how manipulative folks could take and destroy the truth to make it be what their platform could be. And who was it that said, if you tell a lie long enough, you begin to believe it. And I, I believe that it is time that we let the truth set us free. And, and the sad thing is that we see revisionist history uh, writings that would sort of distort the truth as a, as an example depends on where you're located geographically what what textbooks you might use and I know that one of the um, k through twelve publishing houses in Texas writes the truth of slavery as uh, voluntary immigrants coming to this country from Africa. And we know that is not the truth, that this economy was built on slavery. And then we have textbook publishers in California, K-12 through public education, uh, telling a different story. So, so where do we glean the truth and how do we make sure that, that the truth sets us free and we see these revelations? And I want to, I want to pivot a little bit because I saw this the other day and, and this is a bird walk, but it'll bring us back to the conversation. And I certainly want to hear you, uh, expound on this, but, I saw this the other day and, and it's a, it's a graphic representation and the title says two monsters on the left side. It has an image of Hitler and on the right side, it has Leopold, right? Hitler killed 10 million Europeans. Leopold killed 15 million Africans. Why are we only taught about one of them? What is the truth? And, and how, why is one has more in terms of written about in historical narratives and the other is sort of dismissive unless you've taken, you know, um, French history, uh, et cetera. So let's talk about truth. 
Come on, Doc. Talk about it. Well, the truth of the matter is Europeans uh, don't, it's just like uh, the white supremacists of America. They don't ever want to shed light on their own uh, inequities. Uh, and so no European wants to shine a light on another European because they share pretty much the mind, same mindset. And so uh, I, was, I was just pondering how we are now in what, what has been termed the information age. And uh, there's a preponderance of information. A lot of it is just uh, extraneous things, you know. But now we're getting to the deep uh, truth information uh, about the real history on a lot of things. Also, we're getting uh, to uncover what is behind what is. In other words, uh, we're exposed as the general public to certain kinds of information. And because we're only limited in terms of our understanding of certain kinds of information. But now there is, the light is being shown and deeper explanations of systems is coming forth. And I think that when we, when we are privileged to understand how systems work, there is a mechanism involved in what we live in terms of our day-to-day life. And I think that reality itself is enough to put us on another kind of search. And I think the search for truth will lead us to how the systemic uh, racism and the systemic reality have affected all of our lives uh, as the general public. And and when we think about systems, uh, organizations, or organisms, as as I studied uh, when I worked on a master's in public administration, and again again in the doctoral studies, that organizations can either be open systems or closed systems, and mm-hmm. um, open systems are what we all hope for. Uh, because as with closed systems, nothing is ever, um, uh, there's no ability to move freely. And so open systems, and, and every, every once in a while, um, systems have to be reformed. Um, I remember working with uh, Governor Mel Carnahan uh, years ago with his Systems Reform Initiative of Caring Communities, and it was piloted in the St. Louis Urban Corps and then it moved out state to cover various counties in the state of Missouri, of which I, mm-hmm. I ran the um, the Dunklin County Caring Communities Initiative. And, and it was a beautiful systems idea because for the first time, state organizations were able to communicate with each other. What we were, what, mm-hmm. what was happening was um, uh, families were moving through a system. And the systems bureaus were never communicating. That's where we have this bureaucratic mm-hmm. structure where you have these offices mm-hmm. or bureaus not talking. So, for example, we would have, say, a, a juvenile who was, who was considered truant or in the juvenile authorities. 
and his or her family could also have been recipients of food stamps or public assistance. And uh, But the juvenile system was not communicating with the Division of Family Services. And what Carnahan's vision was that if we're going to affect a change, a positive change, and help families and help children succeed, our systems have to be reformed to where folks are talking to each other. And and so eight state agencies from the Department of Education, Public Health, Health, Mental Health, uh, Economic Development, the juvenile system, all and the other agencies all started talking to each other at the state level, which trickled mm-hmm. down to the county level, which then trickled down to the local school board levels and other local uh, municipalities, and even to this very day. Uh, caring communities and and that name as such uh, means a lot and so from from a macro level and that's just a macro example of systems reform how do we then move it to a micro uh, 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 a macro level to where it, it is inclusive of the masses and we're seeing this topsy-turviness because systems are being reformed whether we like it or not it's like our bodily system changes over time as we get older. You know, things mm-hmm. might not, our endocrine system might cause us to have type 2 diabetes or hypertension. That system of our body is changing. So how then, why then can't our organizations and governments change? It's inevitable. Well, they will. They will, Dr. Cooper. Everything must change. That's such a profound statement. It's simple, too. But there's nothing that will stay the same, as you say, from decade to decade. These systems have to be revamped. They have to be changed. They have to be renewed. And some things have to be restored. But the key, I think, uh, in the information age is the communication of information. Um, there has to be more of, of a proliferation of communication and ways that information is communicated uh, may not may not just be the internet. It may be the internet plus uh, certain conversations, face-to-face discussion. Uh, it may be bringing in ex it may be bringing in others who have tried something that works. Uh, all of these ways and means of listening to our world so that we can make informed decisions. This is what it's all about, I believe. And then again, we go back to the conversation about truth and the level of manipulation. And and it seems to me that it would be easier to be open and honest and real rather than remembering what face or front one has projected. And, um, and I see this, who are the repositors or holders of the truth? And, and whom do we trust? Um, and why is that so important when it comes to knowing that everything must change. How do we live out this truth as I believe is is mandated by God, Dr. Hayes, especially when we see this even in this month that uh, has been designated as um, 
the celebration and pride of the LGBTQIA community and living out truths as manifested uh, individually and in collective identities. How do we know what's true? I mean, we have we have so many things that are fake. We can have implanted teeth that look like they're true teeth. You know, we can have, um, uh, but but over time, uh, I guess the bearers of light and truth uh, are the ones who hold up the day and cause us to rekindle that fire, uh, the truth that sets us free. Well, we are the bearers of light, and I think that that's, I think you have hit the key to that. We have to continue to uh, not only let our light shine, but let our light shine on the reality in our world. Uh, some things are ugly, but you still have to shine the light because that's how you are able to root out things that do not work for the welfare of the general public. Also, uh, you know, when something's going on in the body, you have to cut it open and go in there and look at it and shine a light on it. Uh, if you let it fester, if you let it remain uncovered, it will continue to deteriorate the entire body. And so it is with corruption in our world, you know. Uh, so, so many times we wink at corruption or we accept a bribe and, and let it continue. But I think... Here's where, here's where truth has to overcome error. When you look at the results of corruption and you look at what has happened to our society, you look at what has happened to the everyday person, then you have to recognize that corruption is really no good for any of us. Only a select few benefit for a short period of time from corruption. Now, you see all of it. All of this, <clears throat> all of this points to the inevitability of uh, paying dues. In other words, you're going to pay for the crime sooner or later. Uh, you can get away for a while, but eventually the light is coming at you. And all of your dastardly deeds, as they say, all of the things you've done in darkness will come to the light. And then we can root it out. And then we start again. This is the way our world has always been. And so we have to do our part in our generation. Who was that that said, and I don't know if he was the originator of this phrase, but um, <laughs> the chickens come home to roost. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they, mm-hmm. they do come home to roost. So all those those bad deeds and and everything, uh, things will come back to bite and and hunt. And so it's always best to do good and be the best that we can be because um, what goes around comes around. And maybe that's why folks who have manipulated so much, they're afraid that their chickens will come home to roost. Maybe that's why, you know, um, these lynch mobs, had to do what they had to do because they were afraid that chickens would come home to roost. Um, uh, afraid to use. I mean, it's this thing is deep, Doctor Hayes. We can keep on talking about this, but uh, again, with those prophetic proclivities, the things that we can almost 
imagine based on the patterns of behavior, this is what you get. Yeah. You know, don't, you, and the pattern of outcomes, you know, the pattern of outcomes doesn't, doesn't really change. And when you do, when you put a two and two together, you're going to get four. Um, and you could say one and three, but it's still four. Or you could say three and one, but it's still four. So no matter how you slice it, uh, when you act in ways that violates the human rights of others when you act in ways that cheat your fellow human being. This is what you put out and this is what will come back to you. It's sort of universal law. Um, so all we have to do is continue to be participants in that Um to make sure that we're we're on the right side of the equation. Amen. Amen. Dr. Hayes, I think we probably should say, let's continue this on again. Um, But as such, we want to tease out just a little bit to keep people interested in our musings for the week. Any any final parting <laughs> words as we as we remember the words that everything must change. Well, everything must change. Don't be discouraged when you see them begin to change. So sometimes it's kind of ugly. Sometimes it's kind of messy. But know that at the end of it all, a brighter day is ahead. Amen. And on that note, let us. Bid adieu until next time. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.